It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. In the oil and gas industry, uh, as you guys are aware, uh, we're seeing the oil and gas prices crash uh, as much as 34%. Uh, and so I brought him on to talk about this. Uh, his background, again, as I mentioned, he's got a, a massive background in the, nat in the natural uh, gas and oil industry. Uh, he's also a professional engineer, uh, an environmentalist, um, and a leadership trainer as well. Greg Casero, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be with you, Bill. Always fun. Yeah, it's Bert, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Hey, it's not the worst thing I've been called, so okay. not, not a problem, not a problem. Sorry about uh, that. But so let's dive into this. I mean, we're seeing, you know, just the, the market is 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 uh, being, uh, what do you call it, uh, is, is imploding. We're seeing this massive drop. Give us your take. What's happening and what can and what can the consumer uh, see in the next little bit? Talk about that. I think the we're. Of course, obviously, when oil prices tank like that, what happens is I would certainly expect gasoline prices at our pumps to go down. I mean, that's we've and we've already seen that because of the coronavirus. What's happened in places like China, China is a massive user of, of energy, particularly uh, oil and particularly oil because they've, they've got a lot of vehicles over there. So when they went into isolation, so to speak, and you know all the stuff thing the precautions they've taken because of the uh coronavirus what we're seeing now is you know they don't use they don't drive people don't use uh, oil and when demand goes down we've got this supply and all of a sudden the price goes down it, it's really basic economics and then you add that to we've got all of a sudden people like OPEC and Russia realize that Prices are going down and, you know, those folks live on, I mean, yeah. oil is a big part of our economy, but those folks, that's their, that's their revenue source. So that goes down. Now they're trying to figure out, well, how do we fix this? So they get together and their goal is to, well, maybe we can tighten up supply. We can not produce. And it's almost like a kind of an agreement between thieves, you know? <laughs> okay. Russia, you don't produce, I don't produce. And we drive the price back up. Well, yeah. the only problem is... <laughs> There's there's no law that says they have to do that. So uh, you can imagine each one think, well, when Russia stops producing, we're going to squeeze a few more barrels out of this thing, and then we get more money. So right. they're, they're 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 you know we're here and that they're having their little agreements not working. But you know what's really important for America for your listeners to know, one of the reasons this happens and thing, thing things that have changed just in the last few years, the United States of America, Bill, or Bert, my God, uh, Bert is now the number one oil producer in the world. Russia's two, Saudi's three. But go back, and you remember, 15, 20 years, when literally OPEC and Russia could get together in a smoke-filled room, and they could decide, Bert, how much you and I are going to pay for natural gas and oil but at the pump. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Now they can't do that because they've got this third wheel, us, the American oil and gas industry that they can't, they have no control over that. And, and it's not just 
the beauty of in those countries, you got the government that can actually control and tie everything together. In this country, even if the government wanted to tie it together, you got all these smaller producers. That's not just X, the American oil and gas industry isn't Exxon and Shell. It's all these other mom and pops and medium sized companies that produce energy over here. So they're really kind of frustrated. I think if, if it'd be really fun to be in one of those meetings and look at them trying to figure out what do we do now? I mean, right. so the, the bad news for them is they're losing money. Sure. The good news for, for you and I, Bert, and, and your and your viewers is boy, I'll tell you what, we're gonna see. Matter of fact, I've already seen right where I live, you know, we're we're gonna be down right around two bucks a gallon. Yeah. Now think about that. Two dollars a gallon. <laughs> it's and, and and now here's the other thing. I was talking I was on a, a show in New York City a while back, and what was interesting is they didn't grasp that, you know, they were paying three dollars for their their gas lane. I was paying like two dollars and thirty-five cents. And they thought they were being told, I guess by their government, that it's big oil that's doing this to you. I said, I gotta break your bubble, folks. No, I said. Your gasoline taxes, if I can get it for two thirty-five and you're paying three bucks, what do you think the difference is? So what's happened, we've seen in other parts, in a matter of fact, Pennsylvania did the same thing. When gasoline prices went down, they looked at it as an opportunity to let's raise the gasoline tax. And we can blame big oil. That's because they're 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 you can beat them around all day long. So in some cases, the states aren't are taking advantage of that for tax purposes. And it kind of the consumers don't get the full benefit of this thing. Now, hopefully nobody's going to jump in when it's done at two dollars and try to raise the gasoline tax 25 cents. And then when it goes back up, you know, we're stuck with it. So we'll have to I think that's something for all consumers to keep an eye on your particular your state governments, make sure that they don't use this opportunity as a way to raise tax money because at the end of the day the price will go up i mean when china is as the this virus begins to subside uh, nobody knows what's exactly what's going to happen but it will it's just i mean we'll find a cure or it'll it'll run its course and the chinese are going to be back they're going to be back driving again they're going to be back doing what they do and at the end of the day it'll be back to normal and we'll probably be back paying what i'm paying today you know 230 245 give me a favor would you, uh, you, you would you adjust your camera there because you're you're now uh, i can only there a little bit more there you go yeah there you go uh so so you're right you know and first of all i'm glad what you uh, what you said there about the state taking advantage of the situation we we kind of saw that a few years ago with california they they uh instituted this this tax that never went away it's gotten bigger for californians uh and you know here's what's amazing to me if you're OPEC, uh, you have to be worried because now your future is going to be limited. And for years, they had literally, you know, un, un what do you call it, unfettered growth and success and wealth. And that's going to slowly come down. I mean, you got Tesla, uh, who is uh, doing everything they can to get uh, electric cars. Uh, bigger and better. Uh, a few years ago, they released all of their uh, blueprints so people can create their own electric cars and they're not dependent on Tesla, um, except for maybe batteries. Uh, you, you have other electric car manufacturers. You have, uh, I think, Ford, uh, Toyota, Chevy. They all have their version of electric cars. And the, uh, the ability to recharge those cars are getting better and better. Um, here in Phoenix, there are there are multiple places now 
where uh, you can charge, you can recharge your car in, in like 30 minutes or something like that. Get a full charge in 30 minutes to an hour, which is not too bad for an electric car. Um, and now some of the shopping malls are installing these these chargers. While you're in there shopping, you can charge your car. So again, OPEC, what are you going to do when the supply keeps getting smaller and smaller? And I think what they're, you know, and I want to get your opinion on this because somebody uh, made a statement that they thought uh, OPEC or, you know, that they're going to flood the market with cheap gas, uh, cheap oil, so they can recapture some of that lost market share, which that might serve them for the short term. But again, that's a that's a Band-Aid. What do you think? It is. No, I think it is. And and one of the things they try, here's the thing. Are they slow to learn? <laughs> I, I mean, because here's what's happened. They tried this before a few years ago. Because their goal was when when we began this this whole shale development in our country, and, and in the last ten years, believe it or not, uh, the American consumer has saved over one point one trillion dollars because of lower natural gas prices because of the shale drilling here in this country. Well, when that was happening, because that drilling impacts oil, impacts natural gas, OPEX. Do it did exactly that. Let's flood the market. Let's drive oil prices down. They were down below $40. Well, what surprised them is American technology, oil and gas companies figured out how to do it more efficient, how to do it faster, how to do it safer, how to do it cheaper. And OPEC finally threw up their hands and said, Oh my God, can we get how do we compete with these guys? So it 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 really is. It, it's I guess it, it's it's only been three or four years, so they probably forgot how that works. But you know. Another important thing that I think it's important for most Americans don't really grasp the other part of that is the petrochemical aspect, because we need natural gas and we need oil for as a transportation fuel. That's important. And we use it for jet fuel and you name it. Military really military runs on petroleum. Sure. But the part that everybody seems to forget, even with electric cars, is petrochemicals. Plastics, all those electric cars, 70% petrochemicals. Yeah. And we need oil and gas. We need horizontal drilling, hydraulic fracturing in this country because everybody fracks. I mean, the, the fracking is something that goes with it. I mean, if you drill well, you frack it. It doesn't matter whether you're in Saudi Arabia, Russia, or in the United States. But those petrochemicals are essential. And the beauty of us being able to produce those here is what we're seeing is manufacturing coming back to the United States. The Gulf Coast is seeing it. My region, we call it Shell Crescent, USA, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. We're seeing industry come back to that region. And most of the people that are coming, other than U.S. companies that are moving up into the, our world, are in Asia. Right. When, when I talk to the executives in, in Asia, Bert, and ask them, what do they worry about? What keeps them awake at night? 100%, every darn one of them says, I'm worried about the security of my energy and my feedstock supply. Because where's it coming from? It's coming from Russia or through a pipeline. It's coming from the Middle East, which is a really safe place to be. I mean, yeah, we'd all like to be dependent on the Middle East. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> and, and and it's coming from us. Right. We sat down with, with, a, with, a, with a Chinese company a while back, and they said, well, why, won't, why don't, wouldn't it be better for us just to take your 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 natural gas, your natural gas liquids over there. And we explained to them how 
by the time we got done with them, they were trying to understand, well, now when we build our plant in your part of the world, how do we get our, our goods to the coast so we can ship them back to China? So our message is come here, build your plant, and you can, you know, fulfill the U.S. market, and if you want to ship it back to China, that's great. So, but those, but think about things like, you know, we're worried about uh, the coronavirus, these gloves, masks, all those things, the, 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 you know, tubing, and, and you go to a hospital. Those are all petrochemical products that wouldn't it, it's always better for us to supply that feedstock here and know that we can make that stuff here rather than have to depend on Russia or Saudi Arabia or who knows who. So, you know, I think it's, it's important for Americans to remember that one of the benefits of having control of our oil and natural gas prices is the feedstock for all these things, whether you're talking about windmills, solar panels, or electric cars. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and I, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I, the average consumer is not aware of all the products that are derived from uh, you know, the, as you mentioned, the pe petrochemical industry, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking gas and gas only. And, you know, we have this abundance of, you know, you called it, uh, uh, what do you call it? Product feed? No, what did you use? Feedstock. Feedstock, you know. And, because and the, the natural gas liquids are really the, the basis for making the, well, we wouldn't be having this interview. My computer, right. Right. yours. Right. The internet, the internet is a, is alive and well because of petrochemicals. And the difference now, Bert, is having those feedstocks in, in this country. And, and, you know, the other thing that might be of interest to, to your folks is people don't really know. We know that U.S. is producing this stuff. But my part of the region where I'm at, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, in the last 10 years, 85% of the new Natural gas production in the United States is coming from what we call shale crescent USA, not from Texas, not from Alaska or the, the, the Dakotas, but from shale crescent, the Northeast, right in the middle of, you know, where it all started a hundred and some years ago. So having, and that's why, you know, companies are looking there now because it's the only place in the world where a company can come, whether they're from Texas or California or, or Asia and build on top of the feedstock. It's under the, literally under the plant right. and in the middle of their customers because the people that make products, a lot of these you know, tubes and masks and everything else are made by companies up in that region because that's where all the manufacturing was. You, you look at post-World War II, that's where it all was. So you know, it's, it's a big change, but it, it's important for people to know where things come from. And the, you know, the biggest danger, and I'm, I'm not going to go political, I'm just going to talk about ideas, but the biggest danger to us really isn't OPEC and it's not Russia because we can control them because we, we're the big kahuna now. We got the natural gas. We got the oil here and we're number one. But we've got a couple folks running for president that want to ban fracking. Now, even though one of them was in the hospital and needed all these things, he had no idea that if you ban fracking, then you're dependent on Russia and OPEC to provide those products to you. So, that's so that's it's important for people like you know your viewers to know where this stuff comes from and fracking's been around for 70 years the only thing it's changed and the reason why opec and russia are in the position they are is american technology being able to drill horizontally underground in the middle of these reservoirs 
and stay within a 25 to 50 foot window. Stay in the reservoir and drill three miles underground. We couldn't do that. Matter of fact, going back 10 years ago plus, we could drill 3,500 feet underground. It took us 45 days to do it. Today, we can drill 20,000 feet underground and do it in 15 days. That's why OPEC and Russia are in serious doo-doo when it comes. When they're going to go head-to-head with us, they're in trouble. And they know it. And, and that's why if anybody's going to interfere with an election, I, I hear this stuff. And as, an, as a guy in the energy industry, I just shake my head and say, well, don't they get it? I mean, if I was going to pick someone to be president, if I'm Vladimir Putin, do I want the guy that's promoting American oil and gas industry? Or do I want someone that's going to ban fracking? Because if you ban fracking here, your minds will just send checks to, the, to, the, to, to Russia. Because that's what happened. You if we went away as an oil and gas producer, what would happen? What would happen to OPEC? What would happen to Russia? Who would fill that demand? Because it's not going right. to change. They do. Right. They make billions and billions of dollars. And, and you know what? And, and here's the deal. Look, uh, and again, I, I don't necessarily want to spend a whole lot of time in this whole area here. But, you know, right now, as it stands, getting really truly clean energy isn't as efficient as a lot of people say it is right so yeah hey it would be great i like i'll take phoenix for an example i really think that phoenix can be a uh, spotlight for the rest of the world when it comes to solar panels absolutely I, i couldn't believe that you guys didn't have more of them out there than you do right right and i think i've flown over phoenix i can't figure out where they are and oh my God, you guys get sun all the time. Oh I mean, it's cloudy today. When we, I, I got to tell you something, Bert. When the sun comes out here where I live in West Virginia, we go out and worship. It's like, the sun's <laughs> out. Wow. Exactly. I was in Columbus, Ohio for a week, and the sun came out twice. And <laughs> it was like, celebrate, right? So, so you know, again, there are some parts of the world. There's parts of California that would be great uh, for uh, for solar panel. I think that Governor Schwarzenegger was did an initiative to do a million solar panels in, in, in or a million homes uh, in, in uh, California with solar panels, something like that. And I think that's you know to me that's a perfect a perfect place for government to come in and really motivate or incentivize people to say, hey, you know, let's get everybody on solar panel, um, all new home construction, all new uh, uh, what is it? Commercial construction has to have a certain you know, a certain amount of solar panels. Uh, and, and then with, with you know, again, that's going to help not only us, it's going to help everybody and we can sell the excess to California as we do already. But, you know, we're not there yet. You know, solar panels, wind, uh, all of those, quote, clean energies, man, we're not there yet. And, and so until we're there, you know, we got to figure out, we got to rely on fracking or, you know, getting our oil or whatever, for, you know, and, and yes, uh, you know, we have to do it in a way that's as uh, clean as possible. But, you know, it, it's a, a to me, it's a balanced situation. Um, and, and a lot of people don't get that. I mean, it's just it's just where we're at right now. And it is. You're right. And, and today. The oil industry is much more is much cleaner than it was, you know, ten years ago or thirty years ago, and it you know it, it just moves at a slower pace than we'd all like, but it's it's in that direction. Well, let me share something that 
I'll bet you your listeners don't know because the major media doesn't talk about this stuff. But do you realize? And are we, our our group, Shell Crescent, did a study, and we, you know, I told you in the last years the American consumer has saved over 1.1 trillion because of lower natural gas prices. But the rest of the story, the Consumer Energy Alliance, did a study of their own, and in that same 10-year period, air pollution has gone way down. Matter of fact, the United States, even though we're not part of the Paris. Uh, uh, treaty. We're the only country on planet Earth that's on track to meet those targets. Our CO2 in the same period of time when we were using more natural gas, CO2 in this country is down 14%. The rest of the world's up. China's still up. India's still up. And unless we figure out how to fix those folks, it's not going to matter a whole heck of a lot what we do here. So at the end of the day, we've we've increased our use of natural gas and and we're the only country that's on track to meet paris now think about that you so we can do both you we can add, and you got to have something because no matter how you slice it and dice it we got 12 hours average of dark all, all the time right. we don't have wind where we live there's no when it's cold there's no wind there's no sun so we we, we need is a backup fuel source all the time it's right. not going to change that when it gets dark in the wintertime or it gets dark in the summertime, in your case, it's still hot in Phoenix. We already talked about that. At midnight, it's still 100 darn degrees. Right. So you got to have something. You don't want to. Nobody in Phoenix wants to not have an air conditioner. I mean, maybe they like it like that. I, I, at, at 100 degrees, I need AC. But we need, I mean, so if we if we got a little reality interest, look, let's use wind and solar where we can. Phoenix. Nevada, California. Let's use it there, but remember that at nine o'clock at night when it gets dark, we got to have natural gas online. So we need yeah. oil and gas. We we've got to have it, and we put those two together, we can have a really nice mix. And what bothers me, Bert, is if the rest of the world really cared about this stuff, if they were really worried about it, I mean, it's kind of like you look at your four hundred one k. Where are you going to put your money? You're going to put it where it makes money. Right. Well, what, what, when they have these big climate conferences, someone should be looking at the United States and, you know, guys, I don't know what you're doing over there. You're down 14. The rest of the world's still up. We ought to be looking at what you're doing. We ought to be sending more of our natural gas to places like Asia. We're already doing it in India. And my pastor is from India. And New Delhi's air is cleaner than it was five years ago. Kids five years ago were dying because of COPD. We've changed that, and we can change that in the world as we begin to develop some of these other energy sources. There's a we got to be a little smart about this stuff. Absolutely, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. All right, so um, what what does this mean for investors? Uh, you know, if again, we're not trying to give financial advice here, but generally speaking, what does this mean for investors? Is, is this now a great time to invest? Or should they wait? What's your take? Wow, that's always a challenge. Uh, but, you know, when I talk to people that make money and that are very successful in that re regard, they've always made their money. Not you, you never make money at the peak of the market. You make it when it's down. So I think the chat there's the right today. Uh, my gut tells me there's a ton of opportunity. Now, the, the trick is, Bert, is figuring out where do we put our money where it's going to maximize what's going on. Now, I'll tell you what I think will happen. And as a professional speaker, we're already seeing this is. As these, you know, because of this coronavirus, we're having a lot of conferences canceled. So we still need the people that were going to go to those conferences still need that information. They still want stuff. So I think we're going to see more of these virtual type things, kind of what we're doing today. 
I mean, if you can't go to the conference, you can bring the conference to the individuals. So I think it's important. There's, there's opportunities there and some of those new technologies, I believe. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think to your point, uh, Warren Buffett, who is probably the world's greatest investor, uh, he has made his wealth strictly from investing. He doesn't, uh, you know, he his company, Berkshire Hathaway, is, is this massive holding company. So, you know, anyway, that's his that's his slogan. I buy when everybody else is selling and I sell when everybody else is buying. And that's really the name of the game. And so now, I, you know, again, like you said, neither of us are financial advisors. We're not trying to pitch anything here. But I, I think if you're an investor, uh, now might be a good time to look at where to put your money. Um, I personally am buying as, you know, as much stock as I can afford because it's an unprecedented downfall. And I really don't want the White House to do anything to stop it. Let the, just let the market take care of itself, people. Uh, don't get in there and, and mess it up. Uh, and so I think that, uh, um, you know, anyway, I think personally, my opinion is a great time to get involved uh, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, let me tell you, the other thing that I think is going to happen as, as these prices come down, I think people are going to travel more. And so when people travel more, they spend more money wherever they're at. So, you know, you go you go from Phoenix, let's say, to uh, West Virginia. Is that where you're at? I am. I'm in Charleston. I'm in state oh, capital. You know, you go there and then you spend money on a hotel and you, and you spend money on food and stuff like that. Again, that just helps the economy. So to me, it's a it's a win win. Hey, we're we're going. To, we just got back. We went to. We had a meeting in Houston. My wife and I flew to Orlando to do a test run. We both had knee surgery last year, so we did a test run to make sure we could navigate Disney World without a wheelchair. So we're going down there. This isn't a this isn't a commercial for them. But to your point, we're going to spend some money, and we're going down with our youngest son, his four kids, to Disney World in about a month. So yeah. and plane fares are what are they doing? That's right. That's right. You know, and uh, I, let me tell you, since you brought up knee surgery, uh, yeah, that is uh, one of those marvelous miracles of of medical science, right? What a marvelous thing. But anybody who's ever had knee surgery, my wife's had both knees replaced. Oh, wow. The recovery, the recovery is the worst part. It is. Matter of fact, it's interesting. I tore, I ruptured my both of my quads playing soccer in the adult league, and as bad as that was, my surgeon said, you know, Greg, he said, this is going to be tough because I had to spend eight weeks in a wheelchair. I couldn't put any weight on this, these legs. And he said, your wife, who had knee surgery even a, a month before my surgery, she's going to have it tougher because it takes longer to come back from that knee replacement than it does for mine. And I'm already seeing that. There's things I can do now that she can't do. But, to, you know, all the things we're talking about, petrochemicals this morning, do you realize your wife, my wife, those knees the only reason we can do that is the cartilage in there is a specialty plastic that happens to be made in Ohio. Without petrochemicals, our, our wives would be suffering right now. That that specialty plastic that they made to make those cartilage in those knees is, is managed right here in the Shell Crescent in Ohio. Yeah, and, and not just our wives, but literally tens of millions of people because uh, to your point, we have these uh this uh, surgical grade plastic whatever you want to call it this uh, uh specialty plastic you know that not only do they go in knees 
shoulders, a hip, yes. it, you know, it, the list is endless uh, of, uh, you know, how, uh, how these uh, medical plastics are used. And uh, we, it, again, it, it's great that we have that option because back in the day, you'd just be in a wheelchair. You'd just be hobbling around in a lot of pain. Oh, and, and I've been that wheelchair route and, oh my, I, I, God bless anybody that's good. I mean, I have so much more respect for people that are in that position. I, I, you know, uh, I marvel that how, how they can, they they can do it every day. So yes, you're right to, to be able to have these, again, the the medical equipment, especially plastics, it's huge. And it's important that everybody understands where that comes from. It's, it's, you know, American technology, it's the whole petrochemical industry. And it's those, it's those, it's those natural gas liquids is the big thing that we're seeing in our part of the world. We're seeing these, what they call cracker plants come in and take advantage of the natural gas liquids and make it there in, in Shell Crescent, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, rather and shipping it to the Gulf coast. So all this stuff is driving jobs and we're seeing, you know, I, I, I'm also an adjunct professor at a community college. And I got to share something with you. My students, when they graduate, I told them, I said, look, and then you talk about the opioid problem. Can you imagine, I can tell these young men and women, I said, you know, when you graduate in May, as long as you're drug-free, you're going to get a fifty to sixty to $70,000 job to start. And when I asked them, I said, what are you going to do with that money? Because a lot of them are still single. Three things, Bert. One, they're going to buy, and this is West Virginia, so they're going to buy a truck, a pickup truck. And they know what they want. Next is a house, and next they're going to buy West Virginia season football tickets <laughs> but that's that's can you imagine that's the money that these young people are, right. you know you get those kind of jobs what are they putting it back in? of course big screen tvs in there somewhere too but that's sure. the kind of stuff as we see industry come back to our region that uh, we're seeing these good jobs and these young people are are getting ready for them and i, I love it I, they, they're hard worker i mean you know, people say a lot about young people but the people that i work get young people i get to work with are working full-time and going to class at a community college they are incredible folks i, I have really good vibes about what's behind us they're all, all that way but a lot of good young people out there sure. good stuff so, all right. So, so uh, if somebody wants to find out more about you, uh, you know, if they if they're say, hey, you know, uh, maybe I need to find out more about you as a speaker or as a, cult, a consultant or whatever. What's the best website to find out more about you? It's Greg Kazera, K O Z E R A dot com. And information about me: I've got two books. One on leadership. I'm a high school soccer coach. We've been blessed to be at the state tournament the last twelve years. We've got five state championships, and it's not because it's because of leadership and those as those young people develop those leadership skills. So I, there's a book I've done on fracking. So if they want to know about fracking and what it is and what it isn't great book on fracking there. Shell Crescent USA is another great website. And it talks about that region of the country, how West Virginia, Pennsylvania, how if we were a country, that little region would be the number three natural gas producer in the world behind USA, the rest of us and Russia's two and Shell Crescent's three. So you can talk about how industry's coming back there and lots of great, uh, that, that natural gas saving study I told you on that website's free. Anybody can download it. So lots of good information on what, what's going on there too, Bert. Really hey, good stuff. Uh, great. I, uh, I want to say thank you for stopping by. Uh, look forward to catching up with you again. And when I get to Phoenix, we get out there periodically. 
they always send us in July. I don't know why, but the best time to come, July. Where it's I love 115 degree weather. <laughs> anyway, Greg, thanks Bless so much. Bye, my friend. Good stuff. Thank All you, right. sir. Have you a good bet. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. <laughs>